Hello, my name is Father Jacob, creator and founder of Region Catholic. Region Catholic is a platform used to teach the Catholic faith with the flavor of Northwest Indiana, also known as the Region. If you like this content, then like, comment, or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And better yet, share this, regioncatholic.com, with a friend. If you'd like to support us, you can go to our Patreon page, found at regioncatholic.com, where you can support us at three levels, get shoutouts on our podcasts, or get your hands on exclusive merchandise. Thank you for your support, enjoy the podcast, and God bless you. Hello, chosen listeners. Uh, Adam here. We're super excited that you were about to check out this episode where we interview Brother John, uh, who is a Dominican friar, to learn about the Dominican spirituality. Brother John is joining us via phone. Uh, he is currently in Minneapolis during this interview. And, you know, technology is beautiful, but it has its challenges. And so in the midst of putting forward this interview, we had some hiccups at different points with um, the the sound or, or being able to hear Brother John very well. Nonetheless, there's a lot of really beautiful insights in this episode. We hope you enjoy it, and we appreciate your patience in the meantime. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chosen the Podcast. As always, I'm Father Jacob, and I'm joined by Adam Antone. And today we have a unique opportunity. We've been exploring different spiritualities of the church where we go through the particular spirituality where, you know, kind of Adam and I, you know, dabble a little bit into, you know, a different particular spirituality or flavor of the spirituality of a different part of the church. And then we have the chance then to interview someone really authentically living out that particular spiritual calling in their life. And so if uh, I know Adam knows this, uh, that I spent like about six months, more or less, uh, discerning the Dominican life, um, particularly entering into their first year of formation. And then after I decided that God was calling me to the diocesan priesthood back home for the Diocese of Gary, but I made uh, some connections and friends prior to that. And so one of those connections uh, and uh, people that I met through that experience was Brother John, who joins us today. So Brother John, how's it going? It's going well, and it's good to hear from you, Jacob. Good to hear how all things have worked out well for you. Yeah, yeah, no, it's been good. It's been quite the experience. Now, from where we left off, I I remember I met uh, Brother John. Was that a White Sox game, brother, that we went to? Yeah, we went up to a White Sox game, yep. It was like me, you, and then our vocation director, Father Andy McAlpin, <laughs> And uh, yeah. brother, do you remember what I ate at that? Because I remember it because of what Father Andy told me. It was pretty funny. Do you remember that? I, I don't remember that. <laughs> I ordered a nacho helmet, and <sighs> Father Andy, our vocation director, who's like you know recruiting the two of us, you know, into the Dominican life, says, "Oh, are you are you going to eat that yourself, or is it for a family of five? Ouch! <laughs> Yikes! Yeah. And then I, I was probably. I was probably on my best behavior wondering if I could order a beer or not. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I remember kind of talking about that, like, are we allowed to drink a beer with this guy yeah. before we go into the Dominican life? And I was that look and all that, right? Want to leave a good, yeah, want to leave a good impression before we before the they know all our details. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Before, you know, what they know and all that. Was, I just remember that being really funny. And then <laughs> uh and then before we went into the pre novitiate, uh, I actually stayed overnight 
at Brother John's mom's house. Is that right, brother? Yes, you got it right. Yep. Okay. And the reason I remember it so distinctly was two things, two things real quick. And then, Brother John, of course, we'll get into your uh, your uh, background and calling to the Dominicans and all that good stuff. But why I bring it up is because it was I remember it being so funny because prior to entering the novitiate, um, it was kind of like we were getting like an obituary written about us, you know, like everyone was saying goodbye like we were like dying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so it was we had this moment of like, is it, has everyone kind of interacted with you too? That like that you're like going to your demise or this is it kind going of going off to war and never will be seen again. Yeah, it's just like no more. So, and then the second part of it was I remember trying to fall asleep that night, thinking like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, because <laughs> I think at that point, I I still had my phone, and I still had everything. But it was like imminent that we were going to give all that stuff up. So I was just thinking, like, oh my gosh, I could like, still bail. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. I could still get out of here. I can still call my it, parents. It, it's it's funny how we thought that was so dramatic at the time, and and it, and it was dramatic at the time. And now we can look back on it and just laugh and go, oh yeah, totally. I can't believe I you know, where we've come since then. And oh yeah, I, know I do remember the uh, uh, life still goes on. But it was kind of funny how everyone kind of approached that moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, and I just remember the distinct part of it being, like, all right, we're going to the end kind of thing, and that was kind of the uh, the attitude or, you know, kind of just the, you know, the, the what was working in the background. But, um, no, I definitely, just to put it out there, I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything. Like, it was a great experience and really helped me answer a lot of those questions about what I was called to. So it was, I, re- I remember it looking back now and laugh with fond memories and have great respect for all of you guys, so... But uh, before we get too much farther, brother, I mean, I know like um, you're with your own story. There was a lot of different moving parts and a lot of different things in your life uh, prior to you know joining the Dominicans. So what did that look like, like leading up to, um, you know, like where are you from? What's your background? And then how did you find the order and all that kind of stuff? Because I'm I'm one of the few brothers, one of the few Dominicans that you meet that you will meet that aren't priests, and so. And I'm one of the few brothers, if you will, really in the church in this day and age. And so what, the reason I bring that up is I, I get asked to often go do a lot of kind of uh, discernment and or vocational kind of talks. And uh, every time, and I, and I will say this to, to your group here as well, that I, I, I laugh because I, think I, I was all over the board. You know, I was very successful professionally, so I was a late vocation. I didn't really kind of really do anything formally with uh, my journey as far as actually making concrete steps to seeing really what God wanted me and how he wanted me to live until really I was about 40-ish or so in that range. And so I'm a late vocation, and, you know, I made a mess of it because in a lot of ways I I always kind of knew or was drawn to this way of life just mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways, whether it was retreat experiences or people I'd meet or I don't know, there was just this kind of up and down uh, ebb and flow throughout my life that um, I knew God was calling me to something more, but I really personally didn't do much with that. I didn't, you know, like go visit the people and talk to other people or spiritual directors or, or good holy priests about that. And uh, so therefore, you know, I wandered around for a long time and it took me a long time to kind of figure that out. And so I always laugh at myself and tell everyone, don't do it that way. <laughs> um, you know, chat with other people and 
with good people that you trust and let them know, you know, what's on your heart and maybe how the Holy Spirit's, you know, at work with you. So, um, I think part of my kind of delay, if you will, or taking a while to figure out was also because I knew, I knew the priesthood wasn't right for me, but I didn't quite, you know, I knew that's what, not what God was calling me to, but I quite didn't know that. when I would reach out vocationally, oftentimes it would be, you know, kind of the, Location director of the diocese, or something like sure, that. Sure. Just kind of—I don't know how to even put it into words, but I just kind of feel in my stomach like eh, that doesn't feel right. Mm. So I didn't quite know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. So I think that was part of kind of the weird journey that I took. Mm-hmm. So, brother, you mentioned um, having experienced a lot of success professionally um, prior to pursuing the religious mm-hmm. vocation to the Dominicans. Uh, what was your what was your line of work? What were you involved mm-hmm. with? So I I was kind of a sport or I am a sports nut and I got involved early on when I was in college I started becoming a I was a high school football coach and then I was like I was the kind of the typical I was a Catholic grade school team, school football coach for a while and then that led into uh, me getting jobs at the university level so I worked at in your all's back of the woods uh, Ball State University and Western Michigan University I okay. was. A, Mm-hmm. Uh, on the athletic department staffs there, I was uh, I was more of an administrator than a coach. I was an assistant athletic director, but I was involved in the, kind of the coaching and college football at a you know at a very competitive high level. And to be honest with you, loved every minute of it. Um, worked hard, but it was um, I mean I, I was just I was uh, I was a kid in a candy store. You know, I was work I was getting paid to work in sports, yeah. and uh, and I was good at it. So yeah, it was a fun journey. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you said that you you were working in that area, and then, but you always felt. I think your words were like, "I always felt called to this way of life." Um, if you you know, when you think about the life of a Dominican, when you think about somebody who really gravitates towards um, the life of Saint Dominic or towards the spirituality of Saint Dominic, um, what does that look like to you? Like when you say you were drawn to that <laughs> life, what? What is that life, I guess? Yeah, that's a, that's. I mean, that is the question. So to talk about kind of Dominican life is really to talk, so we're the order of preachers. There's OP behind our names, the order of preachers. So you really have to put it all in the context of being a preacher. Um, and that, that's kind of, if you will, that's where you want to start. That's where, you, that's where you're going to end up. That's the, everything, so everything in our spirituality, everything in our formation should be geared to that end, to forming or making someone a preacher. Hmm. So it, it did take me a while to kind of, and I, I don't know if I'm finished totally figuring this out, but as figuring out as far as how am I a preacher when, I, when I'm not a priest, when I don't have the sacrament, you know, authority within the confines of the Mass to, to preach in kind of that moment, if you will, right. how, how is my life in the vows and my life is in my Dominican community, how does that reach out and preach about God's, about God's goodness, the gospel, et cetera, is, is a, I mean, it's a huge question. It's a complicated question. I'd say it's one, it took me a long time to figure out, but the, yeah. So I don't know if that gives you a little hint. Well, and I just coming from like, a, you know, if you talk to like, I don't even know necessarily like Joe Catholic in the pew, but I think many people mm-hmm. might think like, okay, you're already giving up X, Y, and Z. So like, why not just be ordained or something like that? Mm-hmm. And I think those kind of questions, 
so unintentional like it's actually like harmful to the reality of like being called and like an authentic calling and experiencing that you know in the context of being called to the priesthood being called to the religious life being called to you know a different path or you know this i don't know like it's just people just kind of look at it i think sometimes and they just reduce it to like wait you're already not doing this this and this so why not just be this you know what i mean (laughs) so yeah it it comes from the way i explain it the best that that i can kind of process through it is when we when we over functionalize mm-hmm. our life when we say you know we meet a stranger hey what's your name and then the second question is what do you do, what do, you, do? you know that's right. just kind of yeah. how yep. particularly yep. as men right we mm-hmm. we talk about what we can do and so for you father jacob with the priesthood we talk about what you can do what well, you can say mass you can hear confessions you know but there's a whole much more to your reality as a priest the priest is who you are yeah and so we we that happens really with the brother when we say well who is he we just look at it with what he can do and you say well he can't do those things that a priest can do uh-huh. and so it, it comes from that kind of um, and it is a little bit shallow right where we yeah. identify ourselves uh, not as Christian men not as prayerful men not as men of the vows whatever whether it's you know sacramental or our our, our vows in marriage or whatever it might be but when we when we over-functionalize and only talk about the things we can do, mm-hmm. then it clouds that, that, that question. Yeah. Well, and in particularly, like, I think that's a huge temptation, speaking from the perspective of someone in the diocesan life, like, to just functionalize our life. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a mm-hmm. daily temptation to not just fixate on, like, what I am doing, but, like, who I am. And then, like, because the huge temptation, then, is if you just overemphasize the function then your prayer life usually evaporates. <laughs> yeah. like, and then you get then yeah. you get confused about women's ordination or why can't so and so preach at mass? All all those other you start down that whole slope of issues mm-hmm. because it's just about function. Yeah. Well, I can go and take those classes that you took and do that too. Can I? No. Well, this is about vocation. Mm-hmm. This is about the Holy Spirit working through someone in a specific way. Uh, and finding out how God has called us to to live out our Christian life. Amen, amen. So I think one thing, um, you know, worth mentioning is, you know, kind of stemming from, like, the reality of, like, who you are and your Dominican life. So, I mean, like, take it, take me from the, the basics, because, you know, you and I, uh, brother, we had the chance to go into the Dead Friars Closet, as it's affectionately called in the novitiate, find your habit get everything together, like, you know, wear it, you know, and all that kind of thing. And then to the prayer and to the formation, you know, and that time of that formation that we had together. So, I mean, take it from, like, the most basic of levels uh, for our listeners, like, you know, in terms of, like, the Dominican life. I mean, so we're, t- we're kind of fixating on, like, the—we've talked about the order of preachers aspect and everything flows from that and towards it. How else would you characterize uh, the Dominican life? Like, what other— um, pieces of the tradition or what other values would you emphasize in that order over 800 years ago he was really setting it up if you will and and, and he didn't quite start with this vision but this is how it unfolded for him was to refute the heresies that were uh, were prevalent at that time and so for us our model was truth with it with a capital t and so therefore um we are forming preachers that are going to be preaching the truth with a capital t and so that's 
some way why we've be, become somewhat of an intellectual order, and that's kind of been some of our our gifts have been kind of preaching and teaching, and so you have the the St. Thomas Aquinas moments, if you will, of our sure. church. But we also have, um, you know, a lot of we have illiterate saints too, and saints that have worked with the poor and kind of in a more hidden way. But it's all been about how how everything that we do, the structure of our prayer life and whatnot, is a response to that to form the preacher. And so we have a very, uh, I would, when we live it well, we have a very strong communal life where we, we, we eat together, we drink together, we have recreation together, which we call that forced family fun moment. Yeah, there you and go. And all of that, all of that structure is built around us, again, to make us better preachers. You know, the communal life is the challenge for us. We live in big groups, and uh, like your all's families, um, I don't get to pick my brothers, but and sometimes I don't like them a whole lot. Sometimes they drive me crazy, but I'm supposed to love them in a Christian way. And so we have to do that first in our own communal life, and we have to come together and pray. You know, as Aquinas said, we we share the fruits of our contemplation and our preaching. So that means, if you will, there's an order there. First, we have to come together as men of prayer and contemplate the Word of God before we can go out and preach. So there's always that. That order is really important for us to come mm-hmm. together as contemplatives, and then we go out to preach. And then we come back in, we contemplate, we live in community, and then we go back out. There's that back-and-forth moment for, uh, that's important for a Dominican. Amen. I just I remember always being impressed upon, you know, in, in my time of formation that I had, and then also prior, like kind of that like reciprocal – reality like you're describing brother like the kind of the preparation the moments of prayer and then moving outward to like share that fruit mm-hmm. of that of that prayer with others like this like reciprocal relationship between like an active life and then a contemplative life because i i think from what i remember like that was kind of a novel thing for for dominic wasn't it in the, yes. at least in the history of the yeah, church so you're yeah. hit, you, yes you're hitting the nail on the head with that and that's very much something that aquinas wrote a lot about is that so for all the friars, which you know would be our Franciscans and Servites and other friars, this kind of – we were a reform movement, but we were a blend between the monastic and what we would call the apostolic, meaning you go out and do ministry. You're, mm-hmm. you're outside of the priory. So we are both. And so sometimes when I'm you know wearing my habit or inside in prayer, our liturgical prayer looks, if you will, very monastic. We look like monks for a couple of hours a day. But then other parts of the day, we are out and out into the world and doing our preaching and our teaching or our ministries and whatnot. So there's that blended between the contemplative and the apostolic is the key to Dominican life and actually what's also most difficult. Mm-hmm. How do you keep the balance? How do you do both well is the challenge. So one of the one of the things, brother, that I wanted to ask before – uh, starting the podcast, um, you were sharing that you do some work with. I don't. I, I don't think it's called the Third Order Dominicans anymore. Correct? Is it something? Correct. Okay. Um, does it have a new name? Dominican Lady. Dominican we Lady. Call it the Dominican Lady. Okay. Beautiful. So, because yes. really, I think part of what we want to get to as well. A lot of our listeners um, are not necessarily clergy or um, religious. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not um, donning the the habit or living monastic-esque type of lives. So 
knowing the spirituality of St. Dominic, knowing the spirituality of the Dominican life, and given your work with the Dominican laity, how can, you know, somebody sitting in the pews, you know, a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife, uh, just a run-of-the-mill Catholic incorporate elements of Dominican spirituality into their own life? Mm-hmm. That's a huge question, uh, great question. I would say kind of first and foremost, and this would be sometimes Dominicans would chuckle when we say, when we get asked about Dominican spirituality, because we would laugh and say, well, there really isn't anything unique about our spirituality in comparison to you know other orders. And that's a little bit true, maybe, and a little bit not true. you know. And so, because really for us, it's a really a deep focus on the word. Mm-hmm. On, on, on the word, capital T, capital W, if you will. And so very biblically based. So I, I would say in a sense, really start there. And if you, you know, if you feel drawn to study, study not, just because, not only because you're curious and you want to learn more, but study for us can then almost can become a, an observance, something you do that becomes prayer, that shapes who you are. And so if you kind of have that thirst for study and for the word and you feel your heart kind of moving in that direction then i'd say you know keep going with that that might be more of a a particular dominican uh, vocation in that sense so if somebody says but brother i'm not presently pursuing you know a phd in theology or anything Mm -hmm. like that and when i hear words like study i i kind of shrink back and think back to Today's gone by and sitting in classrooms and <laughs> struggling to make it. What does yeah. a what does a, a spiritual sense of study look like for a layperson? Great question, right? Because this is where and we fall into this trap where we become so the order of our preachers becomes the order of intellects, mm-hmm, or right. sometimes we say we're the order of Saint Thomas Aquinas. Yeah, yeah. When right. we're not, we're the order of preachers, or or also. With this kind of preaching, the word preaching has some connotations, and we say, well, we're not necessarily, not necessarily the order of public speakers, mm-hmm. but it is this kind of drive, if you will, in a, in a healthy way, this um, to really do a lot of thinking for the church, and this really just because you can't know, you can't love someone who you don't know. So if we're going to love Christ, we have to know Him, and so in that kind of, it's it's really a. Uh, it's a curiosity about a lot of things, which, you know, St. Albert the Great would kind of be a great model of that, that uh, because it can be about the natural world and about science and about what, about anything that really has God's fingerprints on it, which is everything, right? Because he's a creator of the world. So it's that kind of knowledge. And in that knowledge, you're learning about God, you're learning uh, more about yourself and his created world, et cetera. So it's kind of just this in a healthy way, this drive or curiosity to know more. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you become closer to God in the process. Yeah, and it's, it's so important to what you're saying as well, because so often I think people are drawn to at least know or learn about the Dominicans through the work and lens of St. Thomas Aquinas, which is great. Mm-hmm. But there are, mm-hmm. there are literally like thousands of other Dominicans and like a, a multitude <laughs> of them that were canonized. So what are some of the other, um, you know, Dominican saints that have, you know, weighed in on on your life as uh, you know, a member of the Order of Preachers, and what what draws you to their story, or, or are there any particulars that come to mind? 
Oh boy. Uh, you know, I know we only have like four hours for this, so yeah. I'm going to have to cut this way back. There's so many, um, you know, I think when we have to talk about Martin DePoris for me as a brother, uh, here, here was uh, a man in Lima, Peru in the, in the 1500s that really served the poor and was a healer. Um, he, he was obviously kind of not, if you will, the Thomas Aquinas. He was, uh, uh, of a mixed race, and he's the patron of social justice, and he's somebody important to know. St. Catherine of Siena, right, doctor of the church, and, uh, you know, she really she really is, we were talking about the Dominican laity, she really kind of is a model for that because she's often per, um, shown in a habit, and she did wear a habit, but she wasn't really a sister as we know at this day and age. She was really more of a lady. She was really more of a laywoman. And yet, found herself in the middle of of, of table politics, and uh, we should focus on more about than with the, with the Pope and whatnot as her. Sure. God. Uh, those would be, I'd say, a new one. Um, meaning, she just got uh, can't fully canonized last April is Saint Margaret of Castello. If you want to hear a crazy story, an um, like an unbelievable story, if you just hear, hear about her life. Growing up as a child, yeah, I think you'll be like, I don't believe this. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> so St. Margaret of Castello, just this incredible story that, that is almost unbelievable about all this, and yet she became this great Dominican saint. So she was, uh, she just got canonized last spring uh -huh. and fully canonized, and her body's incorrupt. She's in Castello, uh, in a church in Castello. You can Google that if you want to look her look at her right now. Mm -hmm. um, she was um, really mistreated and abandoned by her family. And then uh, lived out on the streets of Castello, and then lo and behold, actually became part of what what is, we used to be called the Mantellata, meaning think of the word mantle. Mm -hmm. uh, these were women who were widows who became part of the Dominican order, which we would now call Dominican lady. So she was a, mm, a I see. of the Dominican lady. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, I have not heard of her before. Have you, Adam? No, I've never heard of her. Yeah. So. Definitely something for our listeners to tap into. And I think what is really unique, um, you know, about the Dominican life, Dominican order, as I think our listeners uh, will pick up from this episode, is that, you know, there was like the the delineation between like first, second, third, and then that was kind of shifted mm -hmm. away from the not, you know, like place of like order of preference on like, you know, you're not a real Dominican if you're not X, you know what I mean? But rather like you're right. saying, brother, to kind of focus more on like Dominican laity and then members, uh, you know, as friars and those kind of um, titles and designations rather than uh, first, second, third. Um, and I think, too, the surprising thing for our listeners, too, about St. Catherine of Siena was that the active sisters at that time, like, did not exist in the sense when St. Catherine lived, right? Because they were, would have all been contemplative. Is that right? They would have all been limited to the cloister, yes. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so that would have been... Like the Ann Arbor Dominicans, Nashville Dominicans, in the sense of sisters as they are now, would not have presently existed at the time when St. Catherine of Siena uh, was doing what she did in her contributions uh, with her you know, academic, intellectual prowess, her writings, all those things. So it wouldn't have been open mm -hmm. to her at that time. But, man, nice. So I think as we kind of uh, you know, wind down on our time here, I mean— I don't know, brother. Is there any anything like <laughs> someone someone that's you know picking up this episode? They hear kind of something about these new saints, about the new different designations they might have learned about Dominican laity. I mean, like what what uh, words of wisdom or what would you offer to them 
if something has like peaked, um, you know, from this episode, like uh, in terms of you know, maybe like looking up something about Dominican laity, about trying to engage in study. I mean, what would be like a good solid first step for him? What do you think? They kind of maybe start reading some of the Dominican saints and I think kind of seeing how their lives unfolded. And I, I think you'd see kind of a lot of the diversity, if you will, of how how we're preachers, but in very, very different ways. That that's not a very lim- that's not a limited term. And just um, you know, the church needs that, right? We need the capital T truth right now. We need clear, consistent teaching. And so there's there's a place, I hope, but I, I believe there's a place for the Dominicans in the future of the church, and that's to be, you know, in this moment of truth and and to to be able to proclaim and, and preach about God's goodness to everyone, to the gospel. There's such a need for that. And so the, for some of you, even whether you're laity or, or, or in religious life, that, might, that God might be calling you in that way to help us get the truth out there because there's so much misinformation. There's so much – we're so off track in so many areas in our church, and we're divided in so many ways, and what can bring us together is the truth. One thing, brother, before while we still have you, I wanted to ask you because it's it's really been a consistent theme of your conversation with us today is about this concept of preaching, and you know we all have the immediate image of a pulpit and a clergyman mm-hmm, behind it, mm-hmm. but really what you're driving home uh, in this spirituality is that preaching does not have to be restricted to that connotation, and so for for a lay person who's going to their job and uh, living at home with their family, what does preaching look like? I'm assuming that there aren't ambos yeah. in living rooms. So, wh- <laughs> right. what does that look like for, uh, you know, a mom or a dad? I, I think first of all to to say it's more, and, and as you mentioned, it's more than just the homily at mass, right? It's more than that, but it's also on the other end of that extreme. It's not just witness; it's more than witness. So, kind of in that middle ground is. Um, you know, it's wherever you find yourself, but uh, there is that kind of external. Again, you think about Aquinas's uh, phrase that is, is kind of one of our mantras and kind of one of our famous phrases to contemplate and then to share the fruits of the contemplation with others. So if you've done that contemplation, and I think we've all experienced this in our, in our prayer life, in our, in our Christian life, when we really um, have this experience of God we can't but help to share it with others. It just, it's, uh, it just comes out, whether you want it to or not. Right. And so we really focus, so focus on the first part of that, your contemplation, your prayer life. Are you reading good books? Are you, are you in the Bible every day? Are you, are you uh, doing what you're supposed to do with the sacrament? Lent now, things like that. And then that will, you will be compelled. And I don't mean that as if you don't have free will, but it just will, you will be so motivated to share that with others, that joy that you experience. Very nice. And I, I can't help but mention in this episode, so uh, you mentioned being in the Word every day. So I have a, I have a cousin who um, he, uh, if I can put this pun out there, he religiously oh, yeah. listens to this podcast. Hey, there you and, go. Uh, <laughs> anyway, his, but I have to give him a shout out. His name is Dominic. And so he, uh, he listens to Chosen with each episode rolling out. So with this this episode talking about the spirituality of St. Dominic. I just wanted to say hello to Dominic. And also I mentioned that with being in the Word every day because he was working on an app last year moving through the Bible. And so, Dominic, this is also an accountability check. If you uh, <laughs> happen to press pause on that, 
you uh better better get back to it keep going so, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah well great well brother i think you've given us a excellent snapshot particularly i mean there's been a multitude of things i think to that we've covered in the dominican life the depth of the spirituality the variety of the spirituality to not just fixate on uh one particular path or reality in the dominican order but that there's actually a multitude of different uh, people, different saints, different paths within the Dominican order itself, which I think lends itself naturally then to realizing for people how accessible um, and easy it is to connect in some capacity uh, with the spirituality. I think like we've mentioned uh, in a couple of our past episodes, Adam, like just the need for like, there's going to be different flavors, different things that we offer in this season, but to realize too, like, it is like the smorgasbord. It's like the buffet, if you mm-hmm. will, you know? Right. But there's going to be different things that draw people, and there's going to be different things that they are drawn to. And that, yeah, maybe, you know, like the doctorate in XYZ or like PhD in philosophy, uh, you know, like uh, <laughs> at Notre Dame, you know, Father Adrian or something like that. Like, yeah, right. That, that's right. going to be one particular path and calling and gift. And there's going to be different, uh, different realities and multitudes of gift, like we've talked about with Brother John today. So, so thank you so much. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Chosen the Podcast, the chance to hear a little bit about Brother John and the Dominican life. Thank you for tuning in. If you've liked what you've heard today, go ahead and like, share, share a comment or two. Also, be sure the best thing you can do is share it with a friend to engage them in our podcast. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for all your support, and God bless. God bless.